Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Digital Selling, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You know what we always say, if you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. I was going to open the show today with a quote from Seth Godin. Let me read it and then I'll tell you what we're really going to be talking about. Seth Godin, guru, influencer, author, people follow him. I get his, his, I used to get his, his daily blog. He says, people do not buy goods and services. They buy relations, stories, and magic. And that holds true more now than ever. So now let me add a new intro to today's show. I have a quote from a gentleman named James, James Nord, N-O-R-D, at later.com. And we're going to talk a little bit about COVID-19, but we're going to talk about it from the in, the perspective of Influencer marketing, that's our topic today. So he said, as the likelihood of COVID-19 becoming a global pandemic became more likely, one thing we were prepared for was an increase in influencer marketing and digital spend as more and more people spend time on their phones instead of socializing in real life. And he continues, our research shows that the average screen time is up to Five hours and 40 minutes a day, I think that's low, and an 18% increase from the weeks prior. He said, we assume this will only continue to increase or at the very least stay the same. Now let's get to the part about digital marketing. For brands, all is not lost when it comes to audience engagement. There is an opportunity to put out impactful messaging that will nurture your customers and provide value to them during these completely unforeseen circumstances. And here he says, because screen time is increasing, so is the standard of your content. Striking the correct tone in your visuals and captions is vital. Followers are paying attention to this new era of content creation with nearly 80% of influencers reporting higher engagement from their followers. Very, very interesting. So I have three experts on the show today. We're going to talk about influencer marketing. I've retitled the show New Rules in the COVID-19 Era, but we're going to stick to influencer marketing. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here. Hope you are all safe, well, and healthy wherever you are around the world to our loyal listeners. Thank you to uh, AJ and Kirsten at SAP for putting the show together and sponsoring. And let me tell you who my three experts are, and then they're going to introduce themselves. First up, well, well they've all been on before. Vanessa Baker, Head of Partner Social Advocacy at Tribal Impact, is with us. Mick Adam, the founder of Vanguard Leadership, is with us. And Ursula Ringham, Head of Global Influencer Marketing at SAP. Welcome to my esteemed panelists. We're so happy to have you. Vanessa Baker, you're up first. Why don't you, in case somebody doesn't know who you are, which is almost impossible, and what Tribal Impact does, why don't you take about two minutes and introduce yourself, please? Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you very much for the introduction. I'm delighted to be here again. Um, as you said, I think this is the third time I've been on. So um, I'm head of like partner social advocacy at Tribal Impact. I've spent about 20 years now working in B2B sales and marketing in European-based roles. So all in the technology industry. Um, and now I've been working with Tribal Impact for about four years, working with vendors and their channel partners to drive social advocacy through inbound business, social selling, um, and employee advocacy. Tribal Impact itself was uh, set up by Sarah Goodall, a former employee of SAP, um, and she used to be responsible for heading up the social business at SAP, um, and we're very much now uh, building a, about building a pipeline of relationships rather than revenue, and all about being authentic and being genuine. We're also a remote team, which for which we're very, very grateful, because in these challenging times now i know there's been a big shift of culture for everyone so we're busy delivering lots of webinars and digital training for clients everywhere so so yeah that's us in a nutshell and we do that through training and enablement um, using tools and optimization like linkedin sales navigator and spending a lot of time building content for our clients such as uh, like social media kickstarts and blogging so that's who I am, and that's Tribal Impact in a short nutshell for you, Bonnie. 
Thank you, Vanessa. Happy to have you here. Did you agree with the statement I read from James Nord when I opened saying it's important to strike the correct tone in your visuals and your captions? It's vital. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. We'll talk more about that when we get into the show. Thank you. Just wanted to get your point of view on that. Mick Adam is waiting patiently. Vanguard Leadership. Welcome back, Mick. It's been a little while since we've spoken. In case there's somebody out there who doesn't know who you are, go ahead and tell us again. Hello, Bonnie. Thank you for having me back on your show. Again, this is like um, everybody think, um, a multiple reappearance. It's my third or fourth time, I think, on the Mm -hmm. show. Uh, We at Vanguard Leadership, um, we help companies um, bridging the gap between social and the real business. in three main areas, we focus on everything to do with sales, called social selling, of course, everything to do from a recruitment point of view, uh, and everything to do with employee advocacy and employer branding. Uh, we deliver that through, obviously, training programs, but also consultancy Um and we back this up with all our experience of multiple years in the business as both sales, marketeers, and operations people. Um, and we try in these challenging times also to adapt our model because we used to be a lot into the face-to-face. Uh, and now with uh, what's happened in the recent past, we have made a major switch to the digital world and delivering what we did in the past digitally. Thank you, Mick. And Mick, how did you get into this area? What was your, quickly, what was your background that got you into social, digital? Where do you come well, from? I, I, I actually, yeah, actually, I was a sales and marketing manager, an international sales and marketing manager for over 30 years. Um, and I, in my last job as a marketing manager, I basically um, ran into the biggest hurdle a marketing manager can get into, which is less lead generation, uh, less people on the be- on, on the seats or bums on seats and stuff like that, which makes you rethink your strategy. I ended up being. Uh, looking at networking, but face-to-face, mainly at that point, uh, as a solution, which actually did work. And then came along things like LinkedIn, Facebook, and the others, and those we integrated from that point onwards. So I fell in love with social media and with LinkedIn mainly, and uh, we introduced that now to the companies and make them make the next steps. Thank you very much. Pleasure to have you back, Mick. And let's go one more seat around the table. Ursula Ringham, it has been a long time since we've spoken. How are you, Ursula? And please reintroduce yourself to the audience. Go ahead, Ursula. Yeah, Bonnie, thank you so much for having me. Um, Ursula Ringham, I'm head of Apple, Apple, SAP's Global Influencer (laughs) Marketing. And what I tell people is I'm a natural storyteller and creator. Um, I got my start at Adobe, um, started off as a creative there. And then the training wheels came off when I worked at Apple. And I worked there for about five years when Steve Jobs had just come back and no one wanted to create products for the Apple OS, which is pretty crazy. Um, And then I took the most crazy adventure in life and stayed home with kids for about eight years. Uh, That was quite an adventure. It could have its own podcast. Um, (laughs) It does a lot, too. (laughs) There were a lot of them out there, too. Go ahead. It does a lot. But um, then I decided I wanted to come back and die in tech. And guess what? No one wanted to hire me. They said, Ursula, back in the day, you were great, but you've had no relevant experience. The interesting thing is I had just written a book, and a friend of mine, as I was telling her this story of I wanted to get back into high tech, said, wait a second, could you write customer success stories? I said, absolutely. Had I ever done it? No. But I was one of those go-getters that said, I'm going to put my mind to it, and I can actually do something. So I started off as a contractor at a company called SAP. And at the mm-hmm. time, I had no idea what SAP did because, you know, the <laughs> S in SAP doesn't really stand for sexy. Long story short, I did very good work, and the VP I was working for looked at my resume, looked at what I had done, and said, do you know anything about social media? And I said, absolutely. I'd done some social media with a promotion of my book, and I ended up taking over um, some of our social channels and then developing a whole digital marketing strategy. So what it led to is I am now head of Global Influencer Marketing, where we say influencers are trusted voices um, influencing buyer decisions. 
And so I've kind of all been in digital for like the last eight years at SAP, and um, I've worked from home uh, for those eight years. Well, I was saying that a lot of things in my, my career path are very similar to yours. I had no idea how to do a, an enterprise radio show, and I just said, hey, I'm going to do radio 20 years, a talk show. Why not break into enterprise broadcasting? And so many things, so many parallels. And I, uh, Ursula, in my part of the woods, we call that chutzpah. You have a for sure. I haven't done it before, but I'll, right? I'll figure it out. Isn't that the way it is? That is correct. Absolutely. There you go. So let me go around the table before we get into your opening quotes. And you all sent me great quotes. I have another piece of this article I read from James Nord at later.com. And let me just go around the table and get a quick two-sentence answer from each of you. And then we'll move into your wonderful opening quotes. He says, what followers are looking for right now are friends and familiar faces they trust and who symbolize a sense of normalcy from a time before this global pandemic. I think those are great words of wisdom. Vanessa Baker, do you agree or disagree with that? And what would you add to that? Um, I would totally and absolutely agree with what he's saying. Like now, never more than ever before, trust, authenticity and becoming the trusted advisors is absolutely the way B2B companies need to act. They need to be patient uh, and yes. not be overly promotional or salesy with their approach. We need to reassure people that they can trust us and that we can help them um, increase their pipeline to do it all in a genuine, genuine, authentic way. So absolutely agree with that comment. Thank you. Great comments from you. Mick Adam, what do you think? Agree or disagree with James Nord's statement? I completely agree. It would be very strange not to agree. I think the key words were just mentioned. It's about being genuine and being authentic and, and providing that level of trust everybody's looking for to hold on to and move into the next uh, step, which is probably more of a great uh, future in front of us. Oh, I like that optimism. We always want optimism on Game Changers, Mick, because that's what we're all about, changing the game for the better, for the good, onward, upward, and that's what we're here for. And Ursula Ringham, what do you think about that statement, agree or disagree? Absolutely agree with James' statement. Um, You know, people in this day and age are looking for community. Uh, They want to feel connected. But they also want to be educated and inspired. And that's why influencer marketing is so interesting, because in reality, it is people talking and sharing with other people. And so in this day and age, people want to feel that connection. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you. Good around the table. Let's now get to the quotes you each sent me. Let's briefly, I will read the background on the quote, read your quote, and then take about two minutes to explain how in the world it relates to our topic. If you're just tuning in, this is Changing the Game with Digital. We used to call it Digital Selling Radio, presented by SAP. This is Season 6. We're so thrilled the show is back. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I have three experts on the show today. Vanessa Baker at Tribal Impact, Mick Adam at Vanguard Leadership, Ursula Ringham at SAP, and we're talking about influencer marketing. The new title of this episode is New Rules in the COVID-19 Era, and that's what we're talking about. So Vanessa Baker at Tribal Impact sent me a quote from Michelle Obama. I think everybody knows who she is, American lawyer, author, first lady of the U.S. from 2009 to 2017, married to Barack Obama, 44th president of the United States. A graduate of Princeton University, Harvard Law, very interesting lady, very educated and very smart, I think. Here's the quote Vanessa has selected from Michelle Obama's many, many quotes. You should never view your challenges as a disadvantage. Instead, it's important for you to understand that your experience facing and overcoming adversity is actually one of your biggest advantages. Vanessa, words to live by from Michelle Obama. Why don't you briefly tell us how that relates to our topic of influencer marketing today? Well, it's funny when I picked that quote because I think it was before this whole global situation really kicked off. And now I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh, it's even more relevant than I thought at the time because as businesses and and individuals were facing such massive, massive, massive challenges. But we can overcome this through um, the, the building of relationships and once again building trust with our customers and with our prospects. And, you know, and there is an opportunity to overcome adversity. And if we can do that, if we can adjust, if we can transform, then 
this will be a huge advantage for us because it will equip us for a lot more that we have to deal with in the future. You know, several months ago, I don't think if anyone said the world would have been on shutdown, anyone would have believed it, but it has, but we're finding ways to deal with it. So I just love her quote because I think it's quite, well, it gives me hope that we can do build bigger and better things in the future. So that's why I picked it. Thank you very much. I think there's the, the hook there for influencers, Vanessa, is that uh, overcome adversity, help people get somewhere else out of what we're, we need to be distracted from, but also we need to pay attention to it. So it's a, a double prong fork, if you will. Thank you, Vanessa. Mick Adams sent me a quote from Peter Drucker. Peter Drucker, everybody loves their management by objectives. He created, invented that MBO concept. I'm not sure how much we love him for that. Austrian-born American management consultant, educator, author. His writings contributed to the philosophical and practical foundations of the modern business corporation. I think people are moving away from some of that, but we do thank Peter Drucker. Here's the quote Mick has selected. The best way to predict the future is to create it. Mick, how does this relate to influencer marketing? Please. Well, I, I think we are now very unsure about, and again, I think the quote was picked before the actual whole crisis started, so, um, but we're living in a new world, so um, we don't know what the future is going to be, lo- actually looks like, so we're going to have to build it ourselves, and I think we're building it with people around us, people who have the influence to bring everything and to bring order back to where we are today, to bring the, the to level out the, um, the 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 level of trust that people have in the community, in our leaders, in so. From that sense, I think we need to start building those relationships with these people, and and building the future through that way and making it a better future again. Thank you very much. I think so, too. And I think this is a a message, a global message to influencers right now. You are part of this. We need you. We'll listen to you, but you have to make sense to us. Absolutely. We're all trying to create a new future. Thank you, Mick. Ursula Ringham has sent us a quote, a beautiful quote, a wonderful quote from Maya Angelou. Anybody doesn't know who she was, 1928 to 2014. Ursula, Maya Angelou has so many professions and trades she worked in and so many things she did it, it I, the list i'll just rattle them off real fast she was an american poet singer memoirist and civil rights activist seven autobiographies she was a young uh, as a young adult she was a fry cook a sex worker a nightclub dancer and performer she was in the cast of the opera porgy and porgy and bess she was a coordinator for the southern christian leadership conference she was a journalist in egypt and ghana during the decolonization of africa actress writer director producer of plays movies and public tv shows very interesting and she was the first reynolds professor of american studies at wake forest university right here in North Carolina. So here is the quote. You all will get warm, fuzzy feelings from this quote. Thank you to Ursula. Here, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. Ursula, you got me in tears here. Take over, please. (laughs) Oh, Maya Angelou is one of my favorites. Um, Her words have always had an impact on me. Uh, when I was much younger, I picked up, you know, why the cage bird sings, and it just showed me such a different part of, you know, a human being that I'd never experienced before. And, you know, how this relates to our show is that, um, you know, now more than ever, whatever kind of content we create, we have to focus on that experience. You don't want to tell people how to feel. You want them to let them experience through what you show or offer them through your content. And so when you collaborate with influencers on the content, it's a great way to accomplish this because it's people talking to other people. And it's about the empathy and building community and connection. And in this day and age with what we're going through, we're all in this together. And so I come back to that Maya Angelou quote because, you know, it's that feeling that you get from talking with other people and viewing the content. And that's the most important thing um, that we can do right now. I agree. And those were real tears. Somebody once accused me of turning them on and off on my TV show, Ursula, and I said, that's that's impossible. If I'm crying, it's absolutely real. Authentic. Mick, right? We have to be authentic. We have to be real. We have to be genuine. And Vanessa... 
Very good, good conversation opening around the panel today. We are, if you're just tuning in, we are talking about influencer marketing, new rules in the COVID-19 era. Yes, indeed. We're looking for people we can trust, people to guide us, lead us. And I'm going to add the word distract us. And that's where we're all going to move forward getting through this, paying attention, but keeping our heads on straight. Now it's time to look at the discussion statement, my statements my panelists have sent me. And I'm going to start out with one from Vanessa Baker. Um, Here, I have a good one. Vanessa, let's start with your statement number two. This looks interesting. You told me before the show, successful B2B influencer marketing requires a carefully considered approach to building an integrated mix of influencers. And Vanessa says, subject matter experts, curators, engagers, unique content creators, and of key importance, employee advocates. So Vanessa, let's break this down, or as they say on the news, please unpack this, and then we will see what Mick and Ursula have to say about your statement. So, Vanessa, start us off, please. Yeah, I think, um, well, the reason that comes about is we know right now that companies are more and more turning towards digital channels, they're embracing the transformation, and there's going to be an increased focus on influencers and SEO to reach new audiences. And the B2B is a large part of that. You know, there's at least like 91% of B2B purchases are kind of influenced by word of mouth, but it's not the B2C approach of using like mega influencers like Kylie Jenner. It's very, very different in B2B. And I think it's important to step away from using these like global celebrities. We need to think about using an integrated mix of the like micro, which I call the 5 to 10K followers, and nano, for example, 1 to 5K, for example, and using... Um, basically creating an integrated ecosystem. And the reason we don't want to engage with big celebrities is we want to go for smaller, more targeted influencers who might have smaller audiences, but those audiences will be so much better engaged than those of the mega influencers because the mega influencers will likely not ring very true and come across as rather tone deaf with a highly astute B2B audience. And the other benefit of taking this targeted approach towards your influencers as well as your prospects is that partnerships with micro-influencers will be a lot easier on your marketing budget. So it's really about creating an ecosystem with different types of influencers which you can pitch towards different parts of your audience and they can all have their varying um, industries, you know, subject matter experts. So that's why I think we need to build an integrated mix and step away from these massive global names that everyone knows. So that was what I meant when I when I made that statement. That is interesting. A little provocative in there. Mick Adam, agree, disagree, whatever you want to say about what Vanessa just shared. I like it. Let's see what, whether we can move this around the table. Go ahead, Mick. Yeah, I, I, I agree you need a, a mix of influences, but I think the, the, the other thing I want to throw on the table, and, and Vanessa did mention it as, as, as like a bit of a sideline, I think, but I think your employees are probably the biggest influences, especially in this time, uh, that you need to put to work because, A, they produce content themselves, which is obviously most of the time genuine and authentic, and, and B, they are by default your you know, your, your best influences as you, as you go along. And, and yes, they do f- focus on smaller groups, which I think is the right thing. The mega influencers, uh, I think, have, a, have had a bad rap thanks to probably the B2C type of environment. So you need to work on the smaller, so I fully agree on that. But I think the key in there is probably putting your employees as part of your influencer strategy and, uh, and approach uh, into place. And, and, you know, that's, to me, that is the key for, the, for, for making in B2B influencing work. Thank you very much. Thoughtful answer. Ursula Ringham, join us, please. Thoughts on what Vanessa shared and even what Mick added. Go ahead, Ursula. You know, agree that we need to have an integrated mix. Very, very important. Um, but the thing today is everyone is an influencer, correct? Um, you know, it just depends. Yep. Maybe we should come up with a new name for it. But what I'd like to say is, like, in the B2B space, don't forget about B2C. B2C is a great way to reach an audience, a new audience, that might not know anything that you've done before, and you can work with them on a thought leadership perspective. We're just starting to experiment in the last four months with bringing B2B and B2C together. Um, the other thing is with employees, absolutely agree. 
Employees can be your biggest advocates and influencers, but not every employee can do it. They have to have that passion. They have to already be in social media. They have to already be um, socializing content that they create and have an opinion. And so I think it is an integrated mix is necessary, but it has to be the right mix and the right people. Thank you very much. Vanessa, anything you want to say back to your two co-panelists on their comments? Yeah, I think I absolutely agree with both of you. And actually, I would actually agree with you so much. I would say that in your employees, the ones that are passionate enough to become um, influencers are actually the number one priority group who get far more um, influence than, say, using external ones. And then it's so important for B2B brands to recognize the importance of their own employees as the influencers. And we know that, like with um, the trust barometer from Edelman, that the level of trust people give to CEOs and brands is constantly decreasing, but it's increasing for the employees. So 100% agree with both those statements that employee advocates are the strongest influencers of all. So, yes, I agree. Thank you, all of you. I have a quick question around the table. You know, I tweet during the live show. I've tweeted several times already, many times, actually. I just saw something about auto-generating social media, and they're saying it can pre-generate perfect social posts for you. Does that add to the genuineness, the authenticity, or is it coming out of a machine? And I don't mean that as any casting aspersions on artificial intelligence. Trust me on that. But uh, let, let's, uh, Vanessa just spoke, so let me ask Mick and then Ursula, and then I'll come back to Vanessa. Uh, any thoughts on, on pre-generating uh, social posts if you're going to be an influencer, whether it's B2C, P2P, person-to-person, uh, B2B? Mick, what do you think? Good, bad, or... Ah. Well, I'm, I'm kind of torn, but I think, I think it's probably a good idea to do some of it, but it shouldn't be all pre-chewed up, uh, up front before you, you actually let it out. So in my, it, it's kind of like mixed in between as far as I'm concerned. Thank you. Ursula, what do you think? Um, I think pre-generated social posts have its place, but I also like in this day and age being in the moment. You know, back in the day when tweet chats were really, really popular, you had yep. to figure out how to convey your message in 140 characters or fewer, right? And that really showed your product and, you know, topic knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so I like kind of the on-the-in-the-moment um, tweets that come out. But, you know, pre-generated social posts are also necessary because the content, you know, the discussion flows very fast and maybe you have a call to action you want mm-hmm. people to look at. So definitely need to use that. But I'm all for like in-the-moment um, tweets that go out. Thank you very much. Good comments. Vanessa, join us. What do you think? Yeah, once again, um, I agree with both of you there. I think there is a place for using pre-generated tweets if, for example, you have some really interesting and genuinely helpful content. And by um, creating more social posts to help drive people towards it, you could be increasing access to it. But I'd like to very much agree with us, you know, that this whole um, social media right now, we need to be able to respond, be spontaneous and provide that really personal approach. And I think that can only be done in the moment spontaneously. And it's not something you can always do pre-generated. So I would say, you know, 75% do it personally, but then maybe use that as a backup to keep the lights on in the background. Thank you. Really good comments around. And if anybody is interested, I do live tweet before, during, and after all of these shows. And nothing is pre-tweet. Nothing is pre-generated. It's all, what are my panelists saying? What are we thinking? What are we feeling? I just found a picture of Maya Angelou while we were talking about your quote, Ursula. And I put that out. And I said, now more than ever. I, I couldn't know that I would react that way before the show. So there you go. Let's go around the table again. Mick Adam, I'm looking at your statement number one you sent me before the show. This is very interesting here. You say how the COVID-19 crisis is changing the new why of doing business. Interesting. You say during this crisis, we're learning a new way of working, parentheses from home for most of us, thankfully, yes. We are distancing ourselves and thus getting in front of clients will require different approaches. You need to get on the radar of your buyers and decision makers. So, Mick, why don't you expand this for us and then we'll go around and see what Ursula and Vanessa have to say. Please, Mick Adam. Yeah, I think when you, when you look at, at today's environment, and I think over the last three 
you know, three, four weeks, the world has changed. We've come to a complete, complete standstill, and we're in the past. You know, we, 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 we you know, reach out to people ourselves. Um, people would have maybe time for us, and I think we would. As you mentioned in the beginning, people sit in front of a screen all the time, which mm-hmm. is for a lot of us and, uh, and for many decision makers and, and buyers a little bit of a different way they are seeing their current job. So they get so many questions from people to do this, that, and the other thing, and their time is also limited. They're learning new technology as we go along. So they're overwhelmed. So these decision makers are making let's say, time for the people that they think can add most value, can add genuinely uh, authentic messages to help them make their decisions so that from a distance, from way away, uh, from not being able to look into people's eyes, uh, to see body languages and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. they need to change. And there's a room for influencers, people they trust, and that could be their employees, which comes back to my employee advocacy story. Um... So I, I I think from that point of view, the influencers um, will be needed to get the right message to the right people at the right time. And again, as 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 true to the to the heart of the matter that that it possibly can. Thank you very much. Good topic. Let's go around the table. Ursula Ringham, please join us. What do you think? Yeah, right now it's kind of like we're throwing the rule book out the window. We're rewriting it, right? Yes. Um, with all kind of content yeah. and how we approach people. Because right now I think there's two things. Is One, people are fatigued. Everyone is on their device watching videos and pod- listening to podcasts and whatnot. And some people want a distraction. And so I think the tough thing for marketers in this environment is being able to empathize and not come off as salesy or pushy for your product, but really empathize with, the challenges that people are facing right now. And that's where you can get more into the thought leadership. And that's a great thing is with B2B influencer marketing, you should only focus on thought leadership. And so there's lots of different ways you can approach that. Um, But the great thing is we're making this up together. And so what I've found is talking with influencers, you know, they're changing their brand. They're changing how they're approaching this. And so as long as we all do it together, we have an opportunity to um, really change the game with content marketing. Thank you very much. Vanessa Baker, thoughts, please. Join us. Yep. No, I agree with both of those comments. And I think and this is very much kind of what we try to get the message across at, our, uh, at Tribal is that the modern buyer doesn't want to be sold to. They want to be educated and informed. And, you know, more than ever before, it's really time for sales and marketing functions to align and step away um, uh, from the traditional outbound, pushy, interruptive approach and really think about how they can attract people by being helpful and by being relevant. As Ursula said, you know, really think about the digital buyer journey. They jump in and out at different stages and we need to help them and support them, our customers, throughout that journey. And it is only by being authentic and offering real genuine insight and subject matter expertise, which should come from employees and from influencers, that we're actually going to achieve this. And I like, Ursula, the fact that you've mentioned that people like to feel part of a community as well, you know, sharing reviews. So, yeah, completely agree with that. And I think it's going to become more and more important now to adopt this approach of attracting people towards your business rather than pushing out towards them. Thank you. Thank you very much around the table. Mick, anything you want to say to the two ladies sharing the panel with you today about what they commented? No, I think, I think it's in line with what I, where I wanted to go with my statement. So, I, I, yeah, it's uh, perfectly in line and no real, you know, controversy here. Okay, thank you very much. I'm going to move Ursula on to two of your statements. I'm going to combine them, statement two and three. I think this is interesting, and we're going to get a little more into what do you do with influencers and what are they doing for you. You say content is king, but how you tell your story takes the realm. Ursula, that's almost poetic. She says you must collaborate with influencers who understand your products and services, but also how to tell your story. And then she adds, and this is the sexy part, Ursula, you brought that word up before. Influencers are not zombies you can control. Their superpower is their authenticity and their credibility. Empower them to tell your story through 
their lens. Ursula, pure poetry. Talk to me. What does this all mean for our <laughs> listeners? Go, go ahead. Yeah, no worries. So storytelling is everything. And, you know, right now in this day and age, yes, we have a very captive audience. But fatigue, as I've mentioned, is starting to set in. And I'll give you a very endearing example. I was eating lunch with my daughter last week, and she's lucky enough to be able to have distance learning through a web conferencing tool for her school. But she said to me, Mom, it's getting boring. And I said, why? Because it's a talking head. The teacher just talks, and I'm getting bored. And I asked her, what if the teacher gamified the lesson, made it more interesting? So, for example, if the teacher came on at the beginning of the class and said, we have three topics we're going to review today. Everyone vote on which topic we should discuss first. And then based on the poll, the teacher goes in that direction. My daughter said, yes, I would love to do that because it's engagement. It's having her participate. It's having her have a say in how she's learning something new. And so in that respect, with influencer marketing, you have to do things differently. You know, we talked earlier about the live engagement in the moment. You know, if you're going to be doing, um, you know, a live stream, you can have pre-recorded content in it, but don't have everything pre-recorded. People want the live. They want to engage. And so maybe if you have a live 10-minute conversation with your audience, ask them questions. Poll them. You know, there's so many different things that you can do. But then getting to the third statement is you have to let the influencers be themselves. They can't be a zombie. You can't come to them with a project and say, here are the 10 questions that we want you to ask and ask them in this way and I want to see your pre-canned answers. It has to be answered in the moment. Just like us, Bonnie, on your show right now, is yes, you sent us some, you know, some prompts, but everything we're saying is in the moment. Thank you very much. Let's go around the table. Zombies. Do you want zombie influencers? Vanessa Baker, what do you think about what Ursula said? Let's get provocative here. <laughs> well, I'd like to say I really disagree with her. She said to make it interesting, but unfortunately I don't. I agree with her. But, um, but I'd just say that, yeah, absolutely. You know, the best marketers are curious and storytelling is a massive skill and one that's becoming increasingly important to brands. And I think the more we encourage employees and our influencers to tell stories, then the wider your authentic message will reach on platforms like social media. And so I think marketers and salespeople really need to adopt um, and did, um, learn curiosity skills and storytelling because curious marketers ask questions and they want to learn to walk and talk in their customers' shoes. So as Ursula said, put it out there. What are your customers? What are they thinking? What are their needs? And learn how to adapt and address those. And that's how we can get rid of all the zombies and the influence as well, which is what we do not want. Thank you very much. Good. No, we don't. We definitely don't. <laughs> Mick Adam, join us. What do you think? I would love to say that I I contradict all of this, but it would be it would be put me off the planet. I think if I said that, uh, I think I just love the story about the zombies because we don't want zombies, and and maybe what what I kind of want to emphasize is that. They've learned and mastered a, a way of telling stories, and they do it their own way. And I'd like to take that a little bit into my own world in terms of, of training programs. How hard is it to do a training program that you've seen by somebody else? Because you can never tell the same jokes. You can never tell the same tone. you never be able to hit the same tone of voice. And that is exactly what you don't you know, what you're looking for in influencers, they don't reproduce whatever has been pre-formatted and you know is not authentic, is not genuine, it's not their style. It will sound completely off if they have to adapt to what the company says, but if they can say it in their own words, I fully agree. I mean, you get rid of the zombies in that way. People will see that they... You know, these people go up in their story. They, yeah, they influence you, but they do it in their own convincing way, and they'll be at least perceived as being, you know, the influencers for which we trust them to be. 
Thank you very much. I have to tell the three of you, I was uh, tweeting just now. Yes, in the moment, not pre-generated. Uh, what you said, <laughs> Ursula, I said, uh, Ursula Ringham, at Ursula Ringham on hashtag SAP Radio, quote, collaborate with influencers. They aren't zombies you can control. Their superpower is their authenticity and credibility. Empower them to tell your story through their lens, unquote. And I went on Unsplash spontaneously. That's my source of, of uh, royalty-free images. And I found I found a picture of a sign. It looks like it's in a cafe. Somebody is about to sit down and eat something delicious. And the sign says, beware of zombies. And I thought that was really... <laughs> you'll, please retweet. Please. Oh, somebody's already uh, somebody's already hearted it already. Very, very interesting. Ursula, anything you want to say back to Vanessa and Mick about what they said about your great zombie quote? Well, first to you, I hearted it and retweeted it. So I've been oh, you're sweet. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I do you're a dear. Agree with, I, do, I do agree with uh, Vanessa on the whole curiosity. That is so, so important because when you work with influencers, they have to be curious about your products and services because otherwise their story that they're going to tell for you is not going to be authentic. And then Mick, definitely agree with you that, you know, everyone is unique and we all want to be heard and we all have a story to tell. And it's just, it makes it who we are. And being that individual is so, so important these days because it will make you stand out if you come off as original and authentic. Thank yep. you very much. I'm going to go back to one of the quotes I was going to use to open the show before we decided to do it through. And, and thank you to Kirsten Boylow, who's the sponsor of the series at SAP, for suggesting to me we really needed to have a reality check of looking at influencer marketing, our topic, not as the hottest thing in 2020, but through the lens of the global pandemic. So here was something I was going to put in my opening that I didn't read when I started the show. And let me go around the table and get some comments. We'll first go Vanessa and then Mick and then Ursula. We have a few more minutes before our predictions round. So Media Kicks, M-E-D-I-A-K-I-X, estimated that, and this is before this year, by 2020, and we're in it now, brands would spend between five and ten billion dollars a year on influencer marketing. Do you think that trend is going to continue? Will that? Do you think it will be more? And we're not looking for you to give a reality check on the dollars and cents. This isn't a research show. But let's start with you, Vanessa Baker. Do you think that in this environment, where, as I said in the opening, more and more people are on their phones, on their on their digital media all day long, we're all remote, and we are looking for comfort, and we're looking for guidance and leadership and authenticity, and where are we all heading? How are we going to get out of this together? Uh, do you think that brands will or should be spending even more on influencer marketing? Let's go around the table. Vanessa, you're first. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. And, and as you said, everyone's working remotely and we're all um, spending yet more time online and um, building our digital relationships. And, all, and although one day things may go back to normality, I do think that there'll be a lot more people based remotely now, which will have an impact on our digital relationships. And also there's a whole chunk of marketing budget which can't be spent now on um, events, um, which is a huge chunk of people's normal marketing budget. So if the money's there, I think, yes, I don't know by how much, but I think the influencer marketing spend will become more important. And whilst it's a different approach in B2B than it is in B2C, um, I think that it will ultimately take a much more important role. And as we've all said before, in putting your employees in front of the logos as a priority group of influencers, I think will become even more important. So I, w- I would imagine seeing more and more companies investing in um, employee advocacy, content sharing platforms, and really trying to identify the employees who are happy and feel passionate to become sort of brand ambassadors and, and influencers themselves. So it will increase. I imagine, but I have no idea by how much. That's all I can say. I appreciate that. I wasn't looking for a specific dollar amount, but I appreciate (laughs) your comments there. Thank you, Vanessa. Mick Adam, what do you think? Agree or disagree? Should it go? Will it go higher? Well, it it will go higher, but in my opinion, uh, like Vanessa said, it's going to be a shift from where marketing dollars uh, or company dollars are being spent today to influencer uh, marketing. However, I'd like to add one connotation to that is that if these influencers go overboard or get abused or, or, you know, overuse and and, and make, take it, take advantage of their position, 
Um, mm-hmm. I think there might be a serious backlash in, you know, the medium term um, time. Because if everybody is con- considering themselves as an influencer, at some point, you know, people will, will, will start abusing the system. And once the system gets abused, then the whole influencer marketing might get a big dent on the side and then could actually have not even a growth, but a decrease in the, in the future. But then we'll be looking at other ways of doing marketing at that time. Thank you very much. Ursula Ringham, please join us. Yeah, so I'll make a little analogy here is that, you know, right now in our situation where everyone is at home, everyone is using web conferencing tools to connect with people. And, you know, it's a way to connect, communicate, and learn. But it's funny because we've always had the technology. So why didn't it take until this event to happen? Like, everyone's talking with their family, and they're sharing on social media, look, I'm having this Brady Bunch party with my family. We've always been able to do it, right? Mm -hmm. So with influencers, they've always been there. But in the B2B space, it's in its infancy. You know, the B2C space, people have kind of abused it, as Mick was saying. You know, it's kind of like had a backlash. But B2B space is very unique. And so I see people spending more because it's something that's always been there, but they've never done before. And now they're going to dive in. They're going to jump into the deep end and they're going to try it. And I base this on, I speak at a lot of events over the years about B2B influencer marketing. And just recently, it is coming upsurge. People are coming to me saying, you know, we're watching this. We want to jump in. And that's something new and different. And so I agree. We are going to see an increase in spend on B2B marketing, influencer marketing. Thank you very much. I am so impressed with the three of you. We we uh, respun the lens of this show very much spontaneously late yesterday, and I appreciate your flexibility. And now it's time for the predictions round. I have exactly 60 seconds for each of you. Exactly. So set your timer. No, you don't have to. Vanessa Baker, we're talking about influencer marketing, new rules. I don't know if I even like the word rules, new guidelines, new new uh, new mantras, new, new path forward in the COVID-19 era. We'll just leave it at that. So, uh, Vanessa Baker, what do you predict will change about influencer marketing? And I'm not going to go out any farther than the end of 2020. Let's let's just hope everything is well before then better. So, Vanessa Baker, 60 seconds, predictions, go! Predictions are everything we've said before, which is basically the trust um, being congruent, being authentic has never been more important. So I think those who get the balance right are going to become increasingly successful. And those who come across as phony and incongruous are absolutely going to get even less success than before. I think that we are going to see some event budgets switch to influencer marketing. And I think also we might see in B2B using influencers tied up in cooperation with account-based marketing techniques as well to have a really targeted and and, um, relevant approach So I think, uh, yes, we are going to see a rise overall, but only in the best B2B influencer marketing. Anyone who doesn't hit the mark is going to fail. Thank you very much. Good, good prediction. Mick Adam, you're up. 60 seconds. I can give you actually uh, 70 seconds. (laughs) There you go. Go ahead, Mick. I'm very generous today. Go ahead. Okay. When when I when I look at, at, at the future or my crystal ball prediction, it is going to be that companies are actually going to discover influencer marketing through their employees. And I what I see is that companies will be developing as part of an external B two B influencer marketing program. They're going to focus very hard on developing their employees through employee advocacy programs to have these people become influencers with their customers, with their suppliers, and and, and in the market as as such. And that will require serious investment that will require serious training, and that will require serious amounts of trust by companies that their employees are actually probably their best influences that they could ever dream. Thank you very much. Ursula Ringham, I saved. Ooh, Ursula, you get 90 seconds. You get a bonus 20 <laughs> seconds because they were so concise. So there, you can thank them after the show. Go ahead, Ursula Ringham, predict, please. <laughs> well, my prediction was going to actually be short because it's something that Vanessa and Mick have already said, but more companies will lo- actually launch a B2B influencer marketing program this year. Um, budgets are going to shift. I don't think you're going to have as much in-person events, to be honest. 
And yep. the budgets are going to shift, and it has to be all digital. But the thing you have to understand, it's not just putting money into influencers. It's putting money into the platform that you use to communicate your stories working with influencers. So what's that platform that's going to be engaging and people finding that connection? Is it building a community? There's so many different things that are going to happen, but bottom line, more companies are going to invest in B2B influencer marketing programs. There you go. And maybe some of the influencers they'll be investing in will be the three of you who are certainly articulate and clear and the real deal. I can say that none of the content on today's show was pre-generated. Oh, I like the way that sounds. <laughs> it was it was thought about. It was put into notes, but it was not pre-generated. You can't pre-generate or script these shows. That's why we do live radio. I want to thank Kirsten Boylo again for renewing the series for season six. And thank you again for saying, hey, let's do the lens of COVID-19 on the show today. Kirsten, great in great instinct on that, and we all agreed, so thank you very much, and thank you to AJ Arif, who works with Kirsten, who helps put together these wonderful panelists and shows, and we're very indebted to you, AJ Arif Mohammed. Uh, I can't remember his last name, but he knows we love him. There you go. And so now I have to also do a shout-out to my engineer extraordinaire, who has nerves of steel being on the radio with me. It's Aaron Keller. He's old beyond his years. He's in his early 20s and he's, he's just got nerves of steel on live radio and we really appreciate you. It's, it's Arif Johari. I apologize that I was mentioning before and thank you also to Aaron Keller. So here we go. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. I know we're not driving anywhere in particular. Metaphorically, fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today from your chair, from your phone, from whatever media you're using, digital media to communicate with the world. And remember, the world wants you to communicate. Just be thoughtful and authentic about what you say. Be a game changer today, just like the wonderful Vanessa Baker at Tribal Impact, just like the wonderful Mick Adam at Vanguard Leadership, and just like the wonderful Ursula Ringham at SAP Ursula. When your next novel drops, you're coming on my Read My Lips radio show. We're going to talk about that. Bonnie D. Graham signing off with a message for the world. Be safe, be smart, try to be happy, and be well. Signing off for Game Changers Radio. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Digital Selling, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.